Our Holy Gospel comes to us today from the book of Mark. I invite you to actually be seated. Our reading this morning, for some reason, our lectionary, sometimes they like to just plop it right in the middle of the text, right in the middle of the chapter. I'm actually going to begin us at the beginning of chapter 13. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones and what magnificent buildings. Jesus said, Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us then, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus said to them, Watch out, that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in the winter, because those will be the days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deliver the elect or to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress... The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and they or, he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, You know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near uh, right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour. 
Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to take your red hymnals out in the pews in front of you and go to number 257. Red hymnals, number 257. I invite you to share with me in just the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Come to you, O Israel. Our hymn writer in the very opening lines begs, O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom. Pay the ransom for captive Israel. I would argue, O come, O come, Emmanuel, pay the ransom for America. Pay the ransom for Germany, France, Israel, Russia, China. Pay the ransom for the world. This morning, I was listening to YouTube, because that's where we find all great things, amen? Actually, I walked away from social media on sabbatical, and I've actually been quite free in that that joyous decision, except YouTube. YouTube is the one thing that I still cling to. But this morning, uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop Robert Barron, he says this. He says, the enemy to Advent, the enemy to all of Christianity is the view that I have problems, sure, but I can solve them. I'll say that again. The enemy to all Christianity is to admit that, yes, indeed, I have problems, but I can solve them. It's an age-old heresy. It's an age-old problem that has spanned the tests of time for well over a thousand years. Well over a thousand years, we have this heresy called Pelagianism, which is, what was, uh, which is what developed what we call Gnosticism. I know I'm throwing some very churchy words at you. What that means is that we set the teachings of the world, we set the teachings and the philosophies and the education absolutely as the pinnacle of human progress and knowledge at the expense of religion, faith, 
and our wisdom found in Christ. There's been a movement for a very long time, and truthfully, it's not really as new as we'd like to think it is. Back in Martin Luther's time, he was facing it as well. Back in the advent of what actually became the church, it was happening then as well. And here we find ourselves again today, thinking once again that we know best at the expense of the church. Some of you might find it interesting that the pastor gave you a packet this morning teaching you how to read the Bible in a year. There are other religions in the world that would absolutely die for their holy scriptures, yet how many times have I said our scriptures sit and collect dust on the shelf at home? At us uh, here at Lutheran Memorial, we faith markers, we give first grade Bibles, third grade Bibles, sixth grade Bibles, and our seniors, when they graduate, they get a nice, phenomenal study Bible, and I do wonder whether or not we have any clue what they ever say. Instead, we've substituted our knowledge for whatever it is that the world has to say, whatever it is that the news shares. Just the other day, I had another conversation with someone who said, Pastor Craig, help me understand Israel and Hamas. Help me understand what's going on over there because I'm not so sure that I really believe what I'm hearing on the news. And I chuckled and I smiled at the possibility of of trivializing the question. I wasn't absolutely at all because the problem is we are being forced right now to look through a tiny microscope at something that spans all of human history. And then through that microscope, we make the decision of who's right who is wrong, who is ethical, who is not, who has the morals figure out. And I will tell you that we here in the West will never fully understand what is going on. Because the Gnosticism of our time would want us to be convinced that our politicians are going to figure it out. In fact, already this news, uh, this week in the news, um, our, our president is now once again becoming under attack because now he's pulling back his message of support with Israel. Whether he supports or whether he pulls back, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Amen? And at the end of the day, what we say is, well, you know what? We're going to solve the wars. We're going to solve all the wars in the, pro- in, the, in the world. But yet, for some reason, as Jesus and his disciples sit there on the Mount of Olives, looking back at the temple that they just left, they say, he says these words, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and they will be there to deceive many. When you hear of the wars and the rumors of the wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still going to come. We're not going to solve it. Do we take to prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely. Do we take to prayer for our brothers and sisters of other religions? Absolutely. But when we pit ourselves in separation of one another because I think I know best, you think you know better, what are we doing? We're straying further and further from the meaning of Advent. That subject can be applied to so many. Jesus goes on to say, On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. 
My fear is that the church across the board, the church in our culture, doesn't even understand what the gospel is anymore. So many churches have no interest in preaching the gospel. Martin Luther himself says, what the definition of the church is, is where the gospel is preached and the sacraments are rightly administered. But there are churches, I've read journals after journals, articles after articles, devotions after devotions, magazine article after magazine article, because that's the only thing we'll ever read. We won't read this, but we'll read those things, and we'll come to the conclusion that that is what is most important. But never once in the devotion does it ever give us the message of Advent. Never once are we told the good news. But instead, we'll fill your head with knowledge. We'll, have, we'll fill your head with all the philosophies of the world so that you can do better for loving your neighbor. And we miss the point. Yes, we love our neighbors. But sometimes love is hard. Amen? Does a parent love their child? They ought to. These parents right here Love their children so much that they're going to bring them to the font here in a little bit. But when we love our children and they're rushing towards the hot stove, do we let them touch it? What's the answer, folks? No. When the child's about to put their finger in the electrical outlet, do we let them? No. If you have some sadistic thought in your mind, of like maybe we should. Let's talk about that later, right? No, with great love, sometimes comes with a stern voice. Sometimes comes with stern direction. And it's for the sake of their care and their well-being, which is exactly what Christ is here to do with us and for us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Pay the ransom captive to all of us. If we truly think that we have the ability, the knowledge, and the wisdom to solve it ourselves, then my heart breaks each and every time chaos inflicts an individual or a family. Out of respect and care for this incredibly vulnerable family right now, I will not say names, but Friday morning, Friday is like my one day off in the week, and I was really looking forward to my day off this week. At 6 a.m., I got a phone call from dispatch. I serve as chaplain for all branches of our law enforcement. I got a phone call from dispatch at 6 o'clock in the morning to go over to a family's house, to place my hand on the shoulder of a mother, to sit down next to her on her bed, and to tell her that her daughter was brutally murdered the night before. 17 years old in this community. My fear is that her heart and her mind will be held captive for the rest of her life because of the decisions of someone else. And over the last couple days, I found myself thinking and praying even for the perpetrator that their heart and their mind is being held captive right now by a darkness that none of us could even fathom. If we had the ability to figure it out, then why do we not figure it out so that that young girl could still be here today. If we have the problem to figure it out, then why is there so much division in our culture right now? If we have the ability to figure it out, why is it 
that we feel absolutely so torn apart and to sit down with even some of our local politicians who will look me in the face and say, it is so beyond collapsed over in D.C. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. What we really don't need is another teacher with some fandangled lesson of philosophy. What we really need is a Savior. Amen? And as Jesus gives these very powerful words in the 13th chapter of Mark, Mark is 16 chapters, so Jesus is near the very end. Again, we find ourselves in Holy Week. It's fascinating to me how as we enter into Advent, we still hear these texts that resonate with the Holy Week of Easter. But here we are in the 13th chapter, and Mark, or Jesus is giving these powerful words to his disciples. And we hear it, we hear it with fear and trepidation. What is fascinating about social media and YouTube, my, my one outlet, never once have I ever put in the search engine signs of the end times. But do you know what keeps popping up on my feed time and time again? All of these forecasters of the end of the world, all of the false teachers that have solved and have exactly the date and time, and this is what we are to look out for. And of course, why did that come about? Because once again, Israel's at war. Well, newsflash. They have been for thousands of years. And Jesus himself says, this is something that will and must happen. So as we hear it with fear and trepidation, Jesus never intended that to his disciples. In fact, what he was trying to do for his disciples is to give them comfort. He's trying to tell them, guys, you are going to see chaos. And the Roman Empire is going to inflict pain that we cannot even begin to imagine. But when that happens, and as you are dragged before the authorities, I want you to know that what really needs to be talked about, what really needs to be discussed, is good news. The gospel of me, Christ. That is what he's telling his disciples. I need you to cling to the promises I have given you. I need you, in those last moments that, uh, that you may see, I need you to tell them that death will not have the final answer. I need you to tell them that this world will not have the final answer. And you don't even have to have the words. Jesus says it right here. He says, you do not even need to come up with the proper philosophy and lessons. Because the Holy Spirit will give you the words when you need them to be said. And the promises of God never fail. You guys get to bestow that promise upon your daughter here in a little bit. You come to those waters, and what we actually do with these waters is we put the old Adam, our original sin, our sinful selves, we actually put that nature of who we are to death and instead replace it with Christ. Your daughter will be named a child of God and Christ dwells within her. And that promise cannot be taken away. And after that, we will gather at the table in which Christ reminds us, this is my body, this is my blood. When you eat and when you drink, I want you to remember the price that I am going to pay for you. And not only does it end there, he gives the promise to his disciples. He says, despite the wars, despite the challenges, despite death itself, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk out of that empty tomb. And he does. There's one last puzzling piece in our gospel lesson today.
In verse 30, it says, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. At face value, we wonder, well, gee, Lord, a lot of generations have happened since then. But go back to the words that he said. The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. When you read in Matthew and Luke's gospel, when Jesus takes his final breath, the world for a moment in time experiences utter darkness. There are actually historical documents around the world from other cultures that on that moment in time, there was an unexplainable darkness that happened that day. Jesus said it would happen and it must happen. And it did. And again, Jesus goes on to say, he says, keep watch, therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows. Remember, he's going to tell Peter, before that rooster crows three times, you will have denied me. Jesus is telling us that on this Advent season, what we need the most is to cling to Christ. We need to cling to that cross in which his work will be done and accomplished for us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Pay the ransom captive for all of us. Thanks be to God. Amen.